Hello and welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast. We're a church in Newmarket, Ontario, Canada that exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Thanks for joining us today. Joy to be able to come before you today and to learn and grow and trust in you more. I pray that it would indeed be sweet to our souls as we consider that uh, the incredible uh, privilege it is to be a follower of Jesus, Lord, and to trust you. God, I pray that our hearts would learn to sing that very song more deeply. Lord, that on all the different areas of anxieties and fears that we have in our life, Lord, we would learn to trust you more and more. Lord, we know that we need grace for this. Father, as we get into your work here in a few moments, we're going to be uh, looking a little bit at uh, some of the current events of our day, some of the things that are going on that have us uh, off, where we are fearful, we're concerned, some of us may be feeling confused about some of the issues, but Lord, I pray that you would see in your word this morning that you are on the throne, you are good, you are God, you will take care of all of this, and Lord, you take care of us, Lord, I pray that you would learn to trust you in all of that. Father, continue to unite our church around these things and bring glory to Jesus in all of it, I pray all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, go ahead and uh, grab a seat. Uh, just a couple of uh, announcements for you. I know old school, we don't have to do announcements going today. Don't worry, those will come back for everybody's sake. It's better than hearing me talk about it. Uh, but a couple of things for you today. Uh, we have those, uh, we have connection cards for you, believe it or not, cards anymore, of course. Uh, we have QR codes, you'll see that on a couple of uh, seats in front of you. You can scan that, and that is a really helpful way for us to be able to track with you this week and figure out what's going on in your life and pray for you and uh, take care of any questions that you have, so please actually do that. That would be really helpful to us. It's a really important way uh, that we want to care for you. We'd love to see more and more people, and by more I mean all people, uh, using that. Uh, we've got uh, that, that you can fill out uh, after the service in, uh, in the lobby as well. Okay, all of our uh, giving um, is happening in two different ways. Uh, either online, you will to our website and do that. You can crack open uh, the Church Center app on your phone and give uh, that way. Uh, or you can give in person, we've got a box at the back here, and uh, you can give if you uh, prefer it that way. Uh, multiple ways you can do e-transfers and all that. We've got a building fund you can give to. We've got all of those uh, things for you to be able to give. And I uh, so appreciate uh, you in, in doing that. And also, I just want to make it uh, really clear here uh, as well that uh, there's no pressure for you to give. If you're a guest with us here today, uh, just provide your provide your we want you to be able to worship the Lord and uh, be able to focus on that. And so this is the way that our regular members members support the Lord's ministry uh, here. Okay, online here, uh, prayer meetings have been happening on Tuesday mornings all throughout the pandemic. Uh, it's one of my favorite times of the week, uh, most certainly, to gather with uh, a number of leaders in our church and lift up our needs. Uh, it really sets the tone for the rest of my day and our week. And so I want to invite you to join us on that. We'll be doing them on Zoom. Uh, at the bright hour of 6 a.m. Uh, kind of gets us, allows us to be able to do that before maybe we get the kids up and to uh, bed and to work and all of that. Uh, so appreciate you uh, joining us in that. We'd love to have you come. Okay, last thing before we get into God's Word is an important one. We've got men's and women's ministry starting up here uh, in just the next couple of weeks. And so we're going to be doing this on Zoom. Uh, men's is going to be on uh, Thursday morning, starting October 14th. That's from 6 till 7, hard stop. At 7 for the ladies, it's going to be happening Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Also on 
do. So if you were a part of what we did in the last iteration of this, the same schedule. Okay, Thursdays for the guys, Saturday morning for uh, the ladies. And so for both groups though, even though we're doing it separately, we're both going to be working our way through the same book. So we're going to be looking at instructing a child's heart by uh, Ted Trick. I'm kind of laughing to myself. It seems that we only do books by Paul Tripp or his brother Ted uh, in this church. It's probably not entirely true, but those guys have a lot of great things to say about how to get the gospel into the hearts of our kids. Okay, this is so key. My, you know, our, my kids, our kids as, as a church, our families have been on my mind uh, a lot over the last uh, year plus, uh, helping them kind of work through things that are going on in the world that everything has changed not only for us, but for them as well. And so as parents, um, I would put my hand up and say, I have room to grow in this. And so we invite uh, all parents uh, to sign up for this, order yourself a book, and then we're going to be uh, meeting. Okay, but I also want to say this, not just for parents. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm single, or I'm not married yet, or I'm a grandparent. Listen, we, you're invited too. We would love to have you. Uh, grandparents, as they come alongside to support uh, their kids and the raising of grandkids, of course, and then uh, young people, if you're single and you're thinking down the line about like getting married and have a child, this can get you ahead of the game in learning uh, what that's all about. Again, so this is for everybody. We'd love to have you come and be a part of that. All right, let's get our Bibles open to uh, Psalm 2 today. Psalm 2 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, and as you are finding it, uh, I remember once uh, during recess, uh, when I was in grade 7, I think I was in grade 7, uh, my friends and I were playing football, as we often did, tackle football, of course, in the old school days, you could certainly do that uh, at school. Uh, but I remember after one of the plays, there was, uh, there arose a sharp disagreement, you know, as it says in scripture. There was one of those that happened uh, during one of the plays, and uh, I remember um, it was between myself, of course, and uh, this other kid named Sean. Okay, and after kind of chirping each other a little bit back and forth about all of that, uh, we basically dropped the gloves, so to speak, and started to scrap, okay? And really what I mean by that is it turned into this just wrestling match between the two of us uh, right there on the field in the grass, okay? Well, before we knew it, uh, our teacher actually happened to be on recess duty that day, and him and I, Sean and I were wrestling, and my teacher, name was Mr. Little, and he came over and he just grabbed us and separated us and just angrily asked us, what, what, what are you guys doing? And then dragged us down uh, to the principal's office before Sean and I really had a moment to react. Well, he gets us to the principal's office. His name was Mr. Friesen. I can't even remember everybody's name. Um, and he kind of throws us into the office and said, these two are fighting. This is unacceptable. Take care of it. And he walks off and shuts the door. And so our principal was like, what seems to be the problem, gentlemen? And, and, and Sean and I, we kind of looked at each other, and we're like, it was a play fight. Like, we were, we were actually smiling and laughing the entire time. I think Sean and I were giving each other, like, you know, those play, those fake lunges that we were doing, and we were like, this has been blown way out of proportion here. We were not, we were not serious at all, which is actually uh, the truth. Now, that being said, all Mr. Little sees is two guys you know, wrestling and so-called duking it out on the field. Of course he has to come in, and of course he has to do something about that. And, 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 and honestly, this kid, Sean, he had a, a reputation for running hot okay, and actually getting angry and upset. I remember seeing him swinging hockey sticks at kids during his three hockey games, but he was in his mind. 
And so it was not unreasonable uh, of Mr. Little uh, to jump in here and, uh, and do this. But once we, we talked and we worked it out uh, with the principal, we realized, okay, this is a misunderstanding here, and everyone kind of had different perspectives on this. Now listen, the point is, having the right perspective in a tense situation is so important. It, it really is. Now, I've been thinking about that a lot, often on here in recent days, as I just consider the world that we have to live in. Right? The world that we are in now, and how it just appears to be, you know, in, in, in lots of different ways, I mean, coming apart the scenes. Right? You look at it, you see what is happening in the U.S., you see what's happening here, uh, Australia. That's the whole thing right now. But like you, you see all of this, and, and politically, on all kinds of levels, we look at it and we're like, it's not great. It's really not great. As Christians, though, it's so imperative that you and I learn to keep our wits about us. You recognize how, how important that is for us? And that we embrace a biblical perspective or mindset or attitude or, or posture towards all of these things as we, as we look out on them. Having the right perspective is so key. And it's on too for me over the last year plus has been so helpful, I think. As you know, I, I've sought to, to think clearly. As, as I have tried to, to stay sane even in some of it, or, or remain hopeful and, and anchored to truth throughout everything that we're seeing. And I just love the, the perspective uh, that we find here uh, in this passage. And so I want to just read it now and and, uh, and then we'll jump into um, our thing. Okay, here's what it says. It says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples fly in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let's burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. So then look at this. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. That he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. We're going to stop right there. Again, I've already prayed, so let's just jump into this then. We've got two points right here today. Uh, here's the first thing. How to have the right perspective when the world is coming apart. I think it's important that we look at that. Here's the first thing. We've got to accept that governments behave badly and persecution will come. We've got to accept that. Now, when I say accept that, I, I don't mean that we should like it. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think that we should agree with it. You know, with, with the, the immorality of it when that happens. What I'm getting at, though, is that on some level, we, we do need to learn how to live with the reality that, that these things are just part of life for those of us who live in a fallen world, which is every single one of us. Right? It's true. It is, it's important that you and I grow in godliness and in maturity through these things, so that we're not just bent out of shape all the time about what we're, what we're seeing, what, what's happening, one way or another, no matter what that bent out of shape tends to look like. Okay, so let's look at that through these six verses again. I think the whole song's great, but looking at the first six, look what verse one says. It says, Why do the nations rage? And the peoples plot in vain or scheme in vain. And okay, this song starts off with the question, right? Why? Why, why is this happening? 
it, it helps us, I think, understand the, the, the tone of, of what's being said here. And that, that you and I, that we would survey the landscape of our world, that we would look at the, you know, the government and, and decisions being made or whatever, or the various injustices that we've seen happening out in culture, and ask, why is this, why is this happening? I think this is just a very common and, and natural part of, of the human experience. It is when we would look out on that and be like, what, what is going on? Again, fairly standard, especially as Christians. And after all, we have a very strong sense, I think, of, of right and wrong, of, of truth and error. We should have a very, a very again, strong sense of, of love and, and hate. We of all people should have a a pretty good handle on these things because you have very strong passions and convictions about all of it. When you and I see evil and we see injustice and we see corruption in the world, it should naturally provoke displeasure within us. We shouldn't feel that way. It's, it's, it's actually a good thing. There, there, there's a senselessness to the world's rejection of, of God and the things of God that, that you and I are right to be bothered by. To, to not be bothered by any of this, that, that's actually a problem. But again, make no mistake here, it's, it's the rejection of God that, that lies at the root of the world's rebellion here. Take a look at verse, verse 2. It says, the kings of earth and so in this age, it was, you know, monarchies, and, you know, but, but it's really the word governments uh, of, of any kind, politicians, all of that. The kings of earth set themselves. It is set themselves. They're, they're digging in their heels. That there's a certain obstinance within them to their approach. And so the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together. And so you see the, the uniting of, you know, of, of leaders in their rebellion and, and in, their, in their philosophies and the different ways they, they go about um, politicking and, and leading. They, they take counsel together against who? Well, look, it says against the Lord, against, against his anointed, saying, let's burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Okay, so that, that word now, uh, anointed, in Hebrew, is actually where we get the word Messiah. Okay, when, when, the word is, when the word is transliterated. And anointed is actually translated Christ in, in Greek, in, in what we see in the New Testament. Okay, so understand the context of, of this particular passage here. Saul and, and then David had been anointed by the Lord. Remember that? Anointed by the Lord as, as king over Israel. King over Israel. Anointed by, by Samuel. He was a human being in that. And so David is the one that these verses are immediately referring to. And so we know, we've read many of the Psalms before, we know that he faced all kinds of political problems. We, we, he had all kinds of enemies who hated him and wanted to get dead and, and wanted to, to wipe out Israel and, and there were wars and and, and there was bloodshed, and there was all kinds of that thing uh, going on. And that being said, understand this passage is also uh, messianic. It's, it's prophetic in that it points ahead to Jesus Christ. And in the tyranny that Christ 
himself, remember, as the Lord's anointed, would face on a bunch of different levels, on a political level, certainly, in, in his days as a man of Rome. And in the Jewish leaders as well, it was, it was, it was a mix. We know a Pilate, Herod, I mean, they, they absolutely harassed and ultimately killed Christ. And we know that it's referring, you know, prophetically to, to Jesus and how the early church quoted Psalm 2 as they gathered together after being persecuted and, and prayed these very words in Acts chapter 4. We looked at that a number of months ago. And when we showed that they viewed the, you know, the Gentile government harassment that they were facing, the, the persecution that, that, that Jesus also faced, had this similar type rebellion that we see in, in, in David or, or, and in Saul's day as well. And what was happening to the early church in Acts it was, it was against the Lord, against his anointed Messiah, Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Did we see that? But, but, but of course, it was something that spilled over into their lives. Right? It was something that they were, they were targeted and they were harassed simply for being followers of Jesus. Okay, so, so understand this, that, that governments behaving badly, persecution against the Lord and his people is something that's it's always been a part of life, one way or another, for Christians and for the church. And it always will be on, on some level. We, we will and, and certainly uh, face this right up until the time that Christ returns. Now, now, Christians in Canada, I don't think this is a surprise for anybody to hear this, and we've come through a prolonged period of peace, a prolonged period of religious freedoms that, that we've been able to enjoy, and, and it's been great. Now, I don't know maybe a downside, I can easily, you know, argue that those peace, that peace, those freedoms have kind of made the church a little bit spiritually fat and lazy. Maybe we're not as fired up as, as we should be. Maybe we've embraced too much of, of the world's philosophies and, and the world's things that they go after. And it, it does appear, again, if you're reading you know, the, the writing on the walls here, what's going on these days, that the tide is turning. So those days of, of peace and the freedoms that we've been able to enjoy, they, they, they seem to be starting to turn. Now, in, in our current political climate in, in Canada, I, I know there's been lots of debate among evangelicals as to as to whether what we're facing as a church in the days of COVID specifically uh, could even rightly be linked to this persecution. And you, you've, got, you've got some people who want to label everything persecution. Everything is against the church. Masks, social distancing, it's those lame plexiglass things you had up and, you know, between people. And, you know, for a couple of weeks there, we, we weren't even seeing and trying to figure out the virus and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, to be sure, though, whenever the government begins to wade into matters of, of the church and how we should function and how we should operate, I mean, it should raise our eyebrows. And if we look back on history, that, that doesn't seem to go very well. You know, let's, let's also remember here that nowhere in Scripture are we promised that we're going to have freedom of religious rights to lean into. It, we're not promised that. We, we, we seem to have that at the moment, kind of. But we're not promised that we're always going to. And then on the other side of the fence, you've got, you've got some saying that, 
what the church is facing isn't, you know, isn't persecution whatsoever. You can't, you can't define it as persecution. Meanwhile, you literally have a couple of pastors in Canada who spent time in prison. You know, for, their, for their convictions around meeting and, and gathering and the biblical mandates that like or not are there. And so it, it would seem to me anyway that maybe some of our definitions of what persecution is is, is maybe it's slightly too narrow sometimes. Maybe it's too wide. And obviously the most you know, recent and current situation we're all kind of facing right now and it's kind of looming and it's coming towards us is the whole you know, vaccine passport mandate. And so, you know, very quickly, I'll just kind of give you my personal sort of take on this. I think it's very simple. Okay, I'm, I'm not anti-vax, I'm not pro-vax. Okay, I, I'm, I would be pro-informed consent. Okay, I, and that, everyone should be able to make the choice. Everyone should be able to look at and kind of go through research and decide, is this going to be the best thing for me and you know, my family? Or, or is, it, is it not? Like, that's, that's what I would be for. That's what I am pro. That's how, Let's have a choice uh, to be able to do this or not do this. And what I would be anti, what I would be against, is, is the coercion that I think we're seeing. You know, people being forced, they're going to lose their job if they don't do this. And, and, and this is being you know, rammed down our throats all the time. It's tyranny. That's what I'm against. I would be against the tyranny of all of that. Now maybe you hear me talking about this, like, and why is it way to this? Right? There's the laughter. Did you realize what he's doing? Listen, I just believe it's important that, that Christians think carefully at their own that, That's what I'm saying. They think carefully, they apply wisdom. They have correct perspective on these types of things. And also because this very issue is going to spill over into the church at some point very soon. Right? There's already plenty of whispers that the Canadian government will soon make back passports mandatory you to attend church even. In fact, just the other week, the Gospel Coalition, which many of you would be familiar with, was urging churches themselves to enforce vaccine passports. Which, I, I don't know about you, but that, just, that doesn't fly with me. It really doesn't. And the point, though, is, is that whether you believe that none of this stuff is persecution, or all of it is, if, or, you're kind of like me, you're somewhere sort of in the middle, you're wrestling with the tension of this, and, you know, wanting to obey our leaders, and, and yet seeing that some of this stuff, a lot of this stuff doesn't seem to pass the sniff test, and there's that tension and that, that, that turmoil in your soul a little bit. And the point is, again, you want to have the right perspective. You really are. Whether you believe at all as persecution or not, the point is that persecution is certainly coming, isn't it? One way or the other, if it has already. We, we can set our watches to that. And it'll look, it'll look maybe like some of the things that were be censored happening, maybe some stuff will come out of left field, not really sure. But at the end of the day, governments, we know this already, they have a track record throughout history of being corrupt. And they have a track record throughout history of behaving horribly towards their citizens, and, and Christians in particular. And the stage is being set for, for more of it. And, and while it's ultimately against the Lord, guess who's going to be the targets? It's you and I. A big part of having the right perspective when the world comes apart and 
and the shrapnel's hitting us from all, all sides here is to acknowledge and accept that this is exactly what the Lord shows us will happen. Right? That to somehow be in this place where we can just, okay, this is what the Lord says. I, I, I've got to somehow roll with this. And we don't like it. We don't celebrate it. We don't villainize and cannibalize each other's viewpoints along the way. That's one of the things I have to try really hard to, to, to be careful of. Right? Church, church unity, the unity of the church is so important it, to Jesus. It should be important to us as well. And we should separate and, 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 and rip each other for different viewpoints that we may have. I recognize not everyone's going to agree with my viewpoint. I'm not going to agree with all of yours. But we're the church. Yes, hold together and love each other through all of this. And listen, we also, we also don't put our hope in the government being our savior. How many times have I talked to people, friends, neighbors, relatives, who are just like, man, I think the government's going to figure this out soon. You're right to laugh. Pretty soon, I think we're about to get back to the, to the normal. Right? Don't put your hope in that. Don't do it. Our eyes be on Christ. Jesus alone. And we're going to get to that more in a second and start getting into some of this hope stuff for our souls. Before we do, I want to share with you uh, what I think I kind of recognize as five harmful perspectives that you and I should resist as we live in a world that's coming apart. And for you, you might have uh, one or more of these, maybe flip-flop back and forth between uh, them, but these are some that I have uh, certainly seen as I've kind of looked You've been a little disrespectful in my own life and talked to many people, but here's the first one here. Constant frustration in my soul. Right? This is me. My hands up. Constantly, like, triggered. Constantly annoying. This is, and I realize this is not healthy. I, I can't stay like this forever. It's, it's not good for me to, to, to be perpetually angsty in my soul. You know, I think there's, you know, the, the government and the mainstream media certainly doesn't help in all of this. They're shoving one narrative down our throats all the time. And, and as, I, as I rethink and as you see things and rethink and hear stuff and do research, and I, this isn't, this doesn't seem to be lining up what's true. And, and that frustration can, can boil. Perhaps you know what I'm talking about. That's harmful, though. It's a harmful perspective that you're constantly frustrated. Here's the second one. Fear driven in my decision making. This is also harmful. Maybe for you, you're watching those cringy government commercials that are forcing you to get vaccinated, or you know, you're listening to a lot of global news and the CDC and just the mainstream media, and it's got you all anxious. And we may be fearful of COVID and we may be terrified of all of this stuff, and it's causing dread and depression, maybe, and, and making you make decisions based on fear. That's not good either. Is that where we were at? Fear driven in our decision making? Christians are not to be fearful. Period. Stop. End of story. We're not to be fearful. Not to be driven by that. So I'm anchoring our, our hope and our, and our emotions to the Lord. Here's the third one. How about confusion in my understanding of facts? I'm sure we all felt that way. Right? Confused. Like we hear one thing and then we hear another thing. And they seem to, to be opposed to each other and we're like, what am I supposed to believe? How, how am I supposed to chart my way through all of this? Again, mainstream media, not helpful. It's confusing. 
And in confusion, I don't want to say that the initial parts of confusion are wrong. It's not. It's a, to just throw ourselves, you know, our hands up and say, well, I guess I'll just always be confused and be willing to live in that place of confusion. That's, that's not at all to be expected. You can do some research. You can look into some of the facts and figures and the evidence. Confusion is a place where we're all evolving from time to time. But let's not just stay there. Here's the fourth I think harmful perspective was this. Ignorance in my awareness of the issues. Ignorance is, is not a good thing, but we think it can be. Sometimes we live in this ignorance is bliss type place. And maybe you talk to people who just seem like they have no clue what's going on in the world. They're just like, ah, they're just kind of going about their, their business and kind of doing their thing. Part of us probably wishes we were like that too. Yeah, that'd be a lot easier. Probably sleep at night. Right? But, but staying ignorant isn't helpful. We're not to be ignorant as Christians. You should know what's going on. You should interact with some of the issues that are, that are taking place. Again, remember, Christians, I, I think why Christians struggle with this throughout the last year or two is because we, we generally are, are about truth, aren't we? We're about what is true. What, what is real. We, we look for facts. We look for evidence. Why do any of us believe the Bible as, as adults? Hopefully not just because mom and dad told us to. Like that, that's an important thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't tell our kids to believe in this. But as, as we get older, you know, our, our, our faith is, is being tested and, and for it to become real. We need to look at the evidence that supports the Bible's claims. I believe the Bible not just because I've gone to church since I was a kid. But because I've looked through some of this and, and, and it seems to be evidence to support the facts of the scriptures. And it's true. That's why I believe it. And so I think that's, that's maybe you know, where, where many of us are at. And so I think we need to look for that with evidence when it comes to some of the things that we're being told these days. Even the challenge of our presuppositions. We're not looking for like, people's opinions here necessarily, right? We're looking for, for again, cold hard facts. Let's not be ignorant in our awareness. And then here's the, the last one, the fifth one. Harmful perspective, complacent in my attitude towards reality. Maybe this is kind of where we're tempted to get sometimes. We get frustrated, we're fearful, we start to do some digging, we find some, some, some facts to support our position, we're, we, were, we were confused, maybe we now don't feel as confused, and in the end we're just like, forget, I don't even care. I'm complacent now, I'm kind of jaded about the whole thing. Like, yeah, who cares type attitude? That doesn't, that doesn't Right, that's, I don't think that's the right attitude to have as, as Christians. Be complacent. No, we should be passionate. We should be passionate for truth. We should be passionate for people. Not complacent in all of this. And so these are all perspectives that, you know, if we sense one or more of these flowing for our souls these days, we need to bring these to the Lord. We need to lift, lift up our souls to the Lord and ask Him to, to, to meet us there by His Holy Spirit, the truth of the Scriptures. So we can find our hope, we can find our stability, find our peace in Him. This next thing here, I think, really helps, helps us with that. How to have the right perspective when the world is coming apart. Know that the Lord both laughs at the nonsense and deals with it. It's good. I think that this verse right here is personally one of my all-time favorites in the entire Bible. I think it's amazing. Right? The sky's falling all around us in the world. You know, nations are raging. People are you know, plotting in vain. You've got you know, evil leaders taking counsel and coming together and 
setting themselves against the Lord, against Jesus, against Christians, against, against their against society. And then you've got this here, verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. He laughs. How good is that? The Lord holds them in derision, it says. I don't know a lot of times you use the word derision in a regular sentence. Uh, me, not, not at all, probably. But it literally just means to mock. It means to mock or, or ridicule. How, how good is that? Make no mistake. The Lord is laughing at and mocking the fools that dare go against him. And I don't know about you, but that is what I worship. Right? I, I'm good with that. I think that's I think that's fantastic. And I think we see that that laughing, that, that mockery, that, that ridicule, the sarcasm pop up a number of times throughout scriptures. You think about Elijah. When the prophets of Baal, remember they were having that showdown there, and they've got the altar all built, and, and the prophets of Baal are like you know, calling out to their false gods, coming like this, this, this uh, altar on fire. Remember, Elijah is just chirping them. Right? He's just standing in the background. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe your God can't hear you. Perhaps he's relieving himself. That's hilarious, church. Okay? He, he's, he's mocking them. There's a sarcasm to all of that, that I think is is so appropriate and good. We know that Paul was, was sarcastic to the Judaizers and Galatians. It was a circumcision crowd. They, I won't go through exactly what he said today, but go back and read it again. Hilarious. Very sarcastic to them. I mean, Jesus himself used appropriate sarcasm and he poked at the Pharisees. He, he poked at the Sadducees. Do you not read the scriptures? Have you not read them? Well, of course they read them. They're professionals at doing it. He's huge, yeah, he's spoken at them. Right? Because they didn't actually understand it. Not the way that they thought they did. And so he's going after the, the arrogance and the pride of those leaders. And in this type of idea of laughing, mockery, that's why I think there's, there's so much room for like a battle on YouTube. If, you, if you're not following the Babylon B and you're kind of going crazy with everything you're reading and seeing, you are missing out on like deep soul care. <laughs> you know, read that stuff, follow them. They're, they're, just, they're just poking and they're scorching. It's hilarious. Right? It really is. Because I think it's so important that we learn to keep our sense of humor a little bit as the world appears to burn around us. I gotta be honest with you, I've so hard. Over the last year or so, with, with friends and family and elders and staff and all this, it's just the nonsense of our day and the crazy memes that are flying around. I think it's, it's been good. Okay, now, in the same breath, I know some of you are going to be like, well, what about sometimes we sin when we're starting out? No, I get it, but you do. Right? You do. We do acknowledge that, that the Lord Himself, when He's sarcastic, He never, he never compromises His holiness in that. He's, he's sarcastic when He wants. Whereas, for you and I, it's very easy to do. Okay? We can become straight-up mean in our sarcasm. We can be very caustic and, and biting, straight-up unkind. That's not that good. Now, understand here, though, that laughter and, and mockery aren't God's only way of dealing with the nonsense. Verse 5 shows us that it'll also deal with the, the evil and deal with the severe. Look at verse 5. It says, then he will speak to them in the other day we were talking about how God's wrath means intense displeasure. He's going to speak 
speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. They feel clearly the judgment is that we need to go jump and come back matter. But it goes on saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Now, I think what these verses do is they fill us with hope and they fill us with confidence in the Lord. Yeah, the world might be falling somewhere around us to some degree, but that doesn't rattle God's cage. He, he's not caught off guard. He's not fretting. He's not panicking. He's not anxious. He thinks it's kind of hilarious. In some ways, how big, bad, scary people think that they're calling all the shots and directing world events and they're the ones in charge and in control of us. That our God remains on the throne. And remember that he sits in the heavens. That he remains on the throne should fill you and I with unshakable confidence and stability that runs deep throughout our, our being. He says, I, I, I set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And again, at the time that this was written, it was referring to King David in, in, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, or Zion was the term for Jerusalem. God's people would have been bolstered by that declaration. Oh yeah, David was, was anointed by God through Samuel. God, God, God put him there. He's got a plan. And that, that, that's, that's how they would have felt. And today, you and I are, are, are bolstered by, by the prophetic reality and nature of this verse. Christ is the anointed king. He is on the throne. He, he, always, he always is. He always will be for all time. That is the confidence that we are to have when things are falling apart. I love these verses. I love Psalm 2 because they give us the right perspective. Perspective that is so badly needed when we're angry. Right? When we are when we're scared, when we're, when we're confused, we're feeling ignorant, complacent. And I'm not sure which of those more harmful perspectives you're wrestling with today. But regardless, it's, it's sort of taking a step back and, and allowing these words to wash over us and, and just consciously deciding, I'm going to trust the Lord. He is sitting in the heavens. He is laughing. He is going to deal with them in his wrath and in his fury. He, he's going to do it. It's not, it's not to me to torture everybody on social media. I, I, can, I, can let, I, I can leave all of that in the Lord's hands. Regardless, if that's what we're to think, where we're just settling our minds and our hearts and say, look, you are in control. I am not. World leaders are, are not, as much as they like to think they are. And you said, man, I, I don't know what this is all going to look like. I mean, going forward, the Lord, you do. And, and that's enough. I will worship you. I will trust you. If that's the perspective that we're to have, so what we're going to do uh, right now is we're going to spend a, a little bit of time uh, praying together and, and praying uh, prayers of faith. Just praying with your spouse, your kids, or the group that you kind of came in and spin your chairs around and do all that. But pray, seek the Lord. If you're, if you're fearful, if you're worried, if you're angry, if you're, if you're confused, give that to the Lord. Give it to Him. Ask Him to work these things out deep in your mind and deep in your soul that you can anchor the truth and trust Him. Pray great prayers of faith where you are good. You know what you're doing, even though I don't, and many others don't either. Let's pray this uh, church. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to close this off, and then we'll go uh, to prayer. And then when you're done, you're dismissed. Join me as I pray now. Lord, we come before you, and we're just, again, so thankful that you are on the throne. 
afraid that the truth of this just wouldn't be an in one ear and out the other thing, or what it would, it would permeate or it would permeate down to the place where we are stable, where we are unshaken, where we trust you, where we're filled with joy, we're filled with a, a sense of peace and calm and clear-mindedness, Lord. Would you do that in us? Would you do that in our, in our marriages? Would you do that when it comes to parenting? Would you do that our kids, our families, our church? Our singles, the young and old, Lord, I pray that you would do it. God, I pray that as we gather now, we pray that we're, uh, we bring our, 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 our concerns to you, the areas where we're weak, and ask that you would work in the Lord. And again, I pray that we would come away from here filled with, filled with joy in our great God. Lord, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So again, you can pray, you can move your chairs around, you can take five, ten minutes, you half an hour for all I care. Pray, uh, seek the Lord on these things, and when you're done, uh, you're dismissed. Have a great day.